You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your host, Vanessa Weisbrod. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod, coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. I'm here today with my co-host, Joanna. Hi. How you doing, Joanna? I'm good. How are you, Vanessa? I'm good. And before we get started, we want to say a huge thank you to all of our dedicated listeners. I checked this morning, and we now have more than 3,500 subscribers to our podcast, and we just want you to know how much we appreciate you all tuning in. So today we're going to talk about a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, going to college on a gluten-free diet. I was personally diagnosed with celiac disease just before starting my senior year of college, and for me, it was a total disaster. At the time, my school said that the only safe foods were white rice, coffee, and almonds. Now, that's not exactly what you would call a meal of champions. Well, it's been 14 years since I was diagnosed, and things have definitely changed. So I'm delighted that today's episode is going to point out some of the wonderful resources available to college students today who are living a gluten-free lifestyle. Yes, that's right. And we're so excited to have Rob Rob Landolfi from the University of Connecticut in the studio with us. The University of Connecticut has been named one of the top gluten-free friendly colleges in the U.S. for more than eight years running. Rob is here to share with us what students with celiac disease should look for when choosing a college and how to plan ahead for a successful college experience. So to start off, Rob, can a student with celiac disease live on a college campus safely? Most definitely. I mean, if you asked me this question uh, 15 years ago, I'd probably (laughs) say no, but... um, I think we've seen a lot of changes over the last 15 years. Uh, Here at the University of Connecticut, I still remember our first two students who came forward and said they were diagnosed with celiac disease. That was in 2002. And since then, you know, we've seen um, the numbers just increase. Right now, I know that I have well over 400 students on our meal plan that I know of um, who either have celiac disease or are gluten intolerant. And there's many students who, um, because of the way that we handle the diet, that go through school for four years and we never even hear from them. Wow. So that's a positive right there. Wow. <laughs> so wh- I also think what you got to look at is many of the colleges and universities today, um, there's an organization out there called NACUFS, which is the National Association of College and University Food Services. And what happens is we have regional and we have national conferences. So it's an opportunity for not only the University of Connecticut, but dozens and dozens of colleges and universities to get together and share their resources on how to accommodate students who uh, require a gluten-free diet. So can you tell us about the process? So did a few students start asking for it, and then you just you guys decided to make the changes because you had so many requests? Or what really started um, you guys offering a gluten-free program? Well, what was interesting, I I took the job here at the University of Connecticut in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. um, And the year I took the job here was the year my wife was diagnosed Ah, with celiac disease. So (laughs) here we are, two years later, these two students come forward, and they were talking to our executive director. And he sent out an email and said, listen, does anyone know anything about this disease called celiac disease? And I kind of stepped up and said, yeah, actually, my wife's been living with it for two years now. I can assist with them. So I sat down with those two students and we made sure that we met their needs. And then I remember I went back to our executive director, uh, Dennis Pierce, and I said, listen, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is going to be an epidemic. This is going to be something that's going to just take over college and universities. I said, so if 
you want to be proactive, I think we should start looking at our menus and see where we can make changes to ingredients um, and methods so that we can create naturally gluten-free options for our students. And he thought about it. He said, you know something? Go for it. And so that was the beginning of our gluten-free program here at the University of Connecticut. So what were some of the changes that you immediately did? Well, I think right off the bat, some of the, the first changes is when I, we do trainings with our staff twice a year. Um, and then what I do is I have production chefs, which would be equivalent to that of an executive chef at every single one of our dining facilities. Mm -hmm. And they do training on a daily basis. Um, but what we wanted to do is we approached wheat and gluten just like we approach peanuts and tree nuts. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I did that was because people who understand peanut and tree nut allergies, especially when you say anaphylactic, they realize how careful they have to be when mm -hmm. they're working in the kitchens, when it comes to sanitizing your station, when it comes to separating your workstation, um, so you're not working next to somebody who's either using peanuts, tree nuts, or wheat or gluten, et cetera. So we, we did our trainings that way to kind of train our staff and, and familiarize them with what celiac was, what gluten intolerant was, what the wheat and gluten-free allergy was. Then our next step was we went through our pre-existing menus and we said, okay, well, you know, let's look at all our ingredients and let's basically pick out all our gluten-free ingredients and then let's go through and make see what's naturally gluten-free already on our menu. Um, so that was our first steps. And then what we did is we looked at a lot of recipes and said, okay, well, it's not gluten-free, but why isn't it gluten-free? Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a perfect example. It would be the broth or the stock. Right. Well, let's use a gluten-free broth. Um, okay, what about the tacos? And the broth. Oh, just, so the broth is something we hear about yeah. all the time from, from like elementary and middle schools and high schools in our area. How hard was it to find a gluten-free broth, and was there a really big difference in price? Then, in 2002, 2003, yes, um, it was very hard. Um, what we do is, you know, I think, again, we put out feelers, we talk to our brokers, our salespeople, and we basically say, this is what we're looking for. And they go out and they talk to uh, different food manufacturers, and then they come back and say to us, okay, we found you one, and this is the price they can give you. You know, we're lucky enough where we use a huge volume. I mean, we're feeding 185,000 meals a week. Wow. So we're using a lot of product, which means these companies say, okay, we will produce that for you. Um, today, if you look at a lot of the products that are out there, you've seen a lot of these companies changing over their ingredients so that their products already gluten-free now when they walk in the door to show me a product. So that's made uh -huh. my life a lot easier. Right. So like a, yeah. a perfect example would be barbecue sauce. Um, you know, what we wanted is we wanted a barbecue sauce that was gluten-free, but we also wanted one that was made with sugar, not high fructose corn syrup. So we put the feelers out there. Boom, a manufacturer walks in and says, here you go, try this out, and then we switch to that sauce. So I think the, the salespeople know what we're looking for now, um, and as they've changed over these products, it, it's a lot more, it's a lot more versatility. I can, I can use these products to expand my menus. Great. Okay, so sorry, I interrupted you. At, you changed the stocks. Yep, so I changed, we changed yeah. the stocks. <laughs> we looked at all our seasoning. That was a big one. You know, we made sure we went to um, every single one of our spices was gluten-free. Um, what we did then is we decided, okay, we need to um, take this a step further. We made designated areas called gluten-free galleys in every single one of our dining facilities, which is basically an area like a nook that has a big sign above it that says gluten-free galley. 
and inside that area we have um, gluten-free oats, we have gluten-free, we have a freezer and refrigerator that has all the gluten-free breads and bagels, uh, muffins, cookies, um, we have uh, gluten-free oatmeal, you name it. We just pack it full of gluten-free products and we also have our separate gluten-free toaster. Um, besides from the gluten-free toaster that's actually at the gluten-free galley, we keep a toaster in the manager's office as well for those students who are more comfortable with coming into the office, grabbing a toaster from us, using it, and then bringing it back to the office. Because what we found is every student's different based on their comfort level. Um, so we try to make it um, a very easy transition for them. Um, as things have evolved, um, you know, we've continued to expand um, our, our gluten-free offerings. Um, and we even looked, uh, I think two years ago, we were the first college and university in the country to open up a our own gluten-free bakery. Wow. Um, so our gluten-free bakery, uh, which again is uh, five days a week, and it produces, uh, we, we basically produce all these products and we package them in the gluten-free bakery, whether it's lemon bars or uh, it could be chocolate chip cookies, uh, pies, brownies, uh, you name it, cakes, etc. Um, cupcakes, and we package everything up and it gets shipped out to all the dining units as well as catering and our retail operations on a daily basis. Man, Joanna, I don't know about you, but I definitely want to go back and do college again this way. It's cool. <laughs> it really has. Although I would definitely need to be fearful this time around of the freshman 15, which was not a problem for me when I was when I was undiagnosed well, we with celiac like disease. We don't like to talk about that on campus, okay? <laughs> <laughs> if you had an entire dedicated bakery, I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> be like the freshman and 15. Now that was, it was amazing. That was a big plus for us, the bakery. I mean, and what's nice about the bakery is it's not only open to um, the students on campus, um, the community or people who live in the area can actually call up and order a gluten-free birthday cake or something like that, and we will produce it. Um, Thanksgiving, we do a pie sale. Wow. Um, and we do one out of our regular bakery, and we do one out of our gluten-free bakery, where, again, we offer cheesecakes and apple pies and pumpkin pies and things like that. So that's been a huge hit for us. That's absolutely I wonder how many incredible. people you have moving to that area now just because of this. <laughs> exactly. Do you ever get students who are coming on tours who are looking at the University of Connecticut just for your gluten-free offerings? Many times. I think, you know, what people don't realize is that, and we always joke around and say, sure, the students are going to a college or university. Sure, they're in class. But we actually see the students probably more than their professors do because they're in our dining halls three to four times a day. Right. Um, and so when I get a phone call, usually I get a call from a parent, and they'll say, sometimes they might say, oh, my son or daughter's a junior. They're starting to look at college and universities. Um, we heard that, you know, you have a gluten-free program, and, you know, we'd love to come up and, and see your college or university. And the first thing I say to them is, the best time to come up is while we're in operation. You know, I don't want them to come up and see us when we're closed. I don't want to show them a closed unit. Um, so what I do is I try to schedule it so that when they come up, um, we're in full operation. And usually I pick a couple of our residential dining halls. Uh, we have eight residential dining halls on campus. Um, we visit a couple of the dining halls. We visit the food court. We visit our restaurant. Um, we visit some of our cafes and coffee shops because we have gluten-free in every single one of our facilities on campus from 7 a.m. till 1 in the morning. 
offerings. Wow. So what we're trying to do is I want when we sit down with this, this these parents and their son or daughters, what we want to do is we usually have it's usually myself. It's usually our, let's say, Mike White, who's our assistant director of residential dining. Um, it might be the manager of that particular dining unit. Our executive chef or production chef will be at the table, as well as we have a registered dietitian. So she'll sit down with us as well. And it's a team approach. What we'll have an opportunity to do is sit down and you know, find out when the student was diagnosed, which is real important because you know if they're diagnosed at the age of you know five years old compared to three months ago, that makes a huge difference in our approach um, to how we're going to meet their needs. Um, and then what we do is after we go through, we like to find out um, what their eating habits are. So like if you're going to visit a college, if you could bring a piece of paper that basically spells out, this is what I eat for breakfast, this is what I eat for lunch, these are my likes for dinner, these are the type of snacks I like, that helps us out a lot. Um, because right away we can say, okay, yep, yep, see what you like, we see what you don't like, you know, we can accommodate this. And then usually we bring them for a tour. We walk them and the parents right through the kitchen. They'll see the staff working. Um, we'll give them a tour of our facilities, both front of the house and back of the house. Um, and, you know, we try to answer as many questions as possible. Um, what I would say is, you know, before you go to visit a college, call up, you know, ask for dining services. Ask some basic questions. You know, do you accommodate gluten-free? You know, how do you do it? You know, you want to make sure that, you know, they're not handing you a TV dinner um, and saying, oh, here you go. You know, this is, this is our reasonable accommodation. You can just go throw it in the microwave. You know, that's not right. really fair. So what you want to do is you actually you ask to see the menus. That's something we go through the menus with them. Um, you know, in our dining facilities, all our food is labeled, and we label for both wheat and gluten. Um, so that helps out a lot um, when it comes to uh, navigating um, our facilities. But, you know, I always say, if, if you, you know, try to, try to set up that tour, you know, if they're not going to give you a tour, not going to show you through one of their facilities, then I would probably be hesitant to, you know, having that as one of my uh, college or university choices. So you mentioned that you approach it differently for for patients or students who were diagnosed younger versus who were recently diagnosed. What are the big differences between them? So you know, I would like I have a four year old who was diagnosed um, yep. a year ago, and you know, for him, our home is gluten free. At you know, his his school gives him all gluten free food, and what they don't, I send from home. You know, so he's going to have grown up only knowing gluten free. So I do worry that when he gets to be in college, that he's going to be on his own for the first time. You know, in this gluten filled world without mom hovering over him. Um, do you find that it's harder exactly. for those kids or harder for the kids who were recently diagnosed? I find it's harder for the kids who are recently diagnosed, okay. and, and I'll explain why. Um, again, I live in a house. I have three boys, mm -hmm. uh, 13 years old, 10, and 7, and they're all gluten intolerant. Okay. So, again, I'm kind of raising them and talking, you know, right now they're, they aren't shy. You know, okay. if they're at their school lunch, they're right out there. Is this gluten-free? You know, da -da, they ask the questions. And so I feel like what I'm trying to do is set them up so that by the time they go to college, you know, they'll know the questions to ask. They'll know how to read labels. They'll know what to look out for. And a lot of times that's what I see with those students who are diagnosed at a young age and have lived with this their whole life. They are so educated when it comes to the diet itself. Whereas somebody who just comes forward and says, oh, I was diagnosed three months ago, what happens is many times they're diagnosed by a doctor and they're kind of 
set free, mm-hmm. but they don't know anything about the diet. They really don't know except for what they've read on the internet. And sometimes, you know, you can find a lot of misinformation out there as well. Most definitely. Um, that's so what, yeah. that's why, yeah, and that's why what we do is having um, ally, having our um, health services and our dietitian here on campus with us, what we will do is we will work with that student to make sure that they get the correct information, that they understand the, you know, the do's and don'ts of the gluten-free diet, and we'll go through and not only explain you know, how we do things in our kitchens and in our dining facilities, but we kind of take it a step further as to trying to train them. If you eat off campus, you know, these are the things you have to ask. These are the things you have to look out for. Or if you go to a special event on campus where they might have a uh, caterer, an outside caterer, you know, these are the questions you have to ask. Um, so th- those students tend to be a little harder because, again, they, they, they don't know much about the diet at all when they're first diagnosed. You basically take on their entire getting started education. Yes. Yeah, we do. We we even have, like, handouts that we've developed here at Dining Services that we hand them that has all all this information in it that they can read through. Um, And and, and there are are times, too, though, where, you know, it's funny where I'll – be sitting there and actually, um, you know, we, we're lucky enough to have a celiac support group on campus. So, or um, I do have students who I've sat down with as freshmen who by the time they're juniors, you know, um, they might say, hey, you know, if you get any students that you know, have questions, uh, give them my number, give them my email, you know, I'm happy to talk with them. So there's like that support system there that can kind of help them along. And that's at many colleges and universities. And I think that that helps out a lot because it makes uh, the students feel comfortable. That's so incredible. Have this organization you talked about in the beginning that sort of it, um, brings together colleges and university dining programs? It, are you talking to them Nate about this? Yes. Are you talking with them mm-hmm. about what you've done and using it as a model for other campuses? Well, we, we exactly. So what we've done is many times um, when we go to a conference, um, we'll probably do like a um, almost like a roundtable or a. Uh, set up where four of us will sit up on a a table and we'll answer questions for other colleges and universities. Um, And, you know, everyone's a little bit different. And and what I mean by that is, you know, some people have decided that they're only going to have one dining facility on their campus is going to be the designated gluten-free dining facility. Mm -hmm. And that's the way they've decided to do it. The only issue we had when we looked years ago when we talked about that was we have a very large campus. So we were like, okay, so if you live on Towers, which is on one side of campus, and the gluten-free is on the south side of campus, you'll have to get up in the morning and walk 20 minutes wow. to go get your gluten-free breakfast. So we didn't feel that was yeah. fair for us. We, <laughs> thought, we thought, okay, why don't we just offer it in every single one of our facilities? And you know, we basically started with one, but then we said, let's do two, three, four. We worked through all eight, and then we went on to retail. And we tried to do it so that you know we could – create a university where no matter where the student was at that time, um, they could get something to eat that was wheat and gluten-free. But other colleges and universities might not be as large as us. They might have only two dining halls. So they might decide, okay, we're just going to put our gluten-free in one little corner here or kiosk area, um, and that's going to be our gluten-free dining area, Um, which is perfectly fine. I think that's great if you're a smaller university. You've got to do what you can to accommodate the students. Um, many times, too, what we might do is 
we had students where, you know, we always say we can control everything in the back of the house. So when we're preparing the food, we can ensure that the food is going to be wheat and gluten-free. The issue we have, though, is once the food goes out in the front on the line, where it's an all-you-care-to-eat concept, and you have your fellow classmates coming through and scooping food onto their plates, that's where we, it gets a little hairy because, you know, these students, you've got to be careful that they're not going with a spoon from one pan to the other pan. Right. So what we try to do yeah. is we say to these students when we meet with them, we're batch cooking in the back. We put the food into the warmer. If you come in and you're not comfortable eating off our food line, you know, even though we try to put the gluten-free together as much as possible on our food lines, we're happy to plate the food in the back of the house for you. So anything that you see in the front, we've got in the back. So we will literally put it on the plate and hand it back to them. That's so to wonderful. To ensure that it's safe. So, yeah, and again, like great. I said, yeah. it depends on the students themselves. So now this sounds like the perfect dream to me, and I hope that my four-year-old someday goes to college and that you're still a chef there um, so that he can <laughs> live in this gluten-free dream world as well. But That's right. we all know that life is not a fantasy and that there are lots of schools around the country that don't have a gluten-free program like this but still have outstanding academic programs that a student might want to take part in. So can you talk a little bit about what those students, should, like the process they should go through and what a reasonable accommodation might be for a place that doesn't already have a gluten-free program set up? Okay, so that's an interesting question because, um, again, what you're going to find is that some dining services programs are self-operated, which means they work for the state or the university itself, and some are contract feeders. Right. So they're all a little bit different depending on the college and university. What I would suggest is, again, you pick a school. Um, this is the school you want to go to because of the academics or whatever your major is. Immediately pick up that phone, set up an appointment, head down there with your list of questions, go for a tour. Um, ask them if you could talk to somebody, if they can connect you with anyone else who uh, might be going to the school that possibly you know, is celiac disease or gluten intolerant, so you can actually talk to them. Um, when you talk to the uh, food service managers and the chefs, you know, ask those hard questions um, and find out. You, know, you have to ask everything like, okay, so if I came in here, you know, what am I getting for breakfast? Like, what can I get? What do you offer? What do you offer for lunch? What do you offer for dinner? And, you know, because what you, I know for a fact that there are some colleges and universities out there that literally, like I said, will have a freezer area and it'll have some of the frozen meals that, you know, some of us have probably bought that are gluten-free in the fr freezer section. And to be safe, they're so scared to tr attempt to do gluten-free in their kitchens, they're gonna say that's your options right there for lunch and dinner. Um, it's going to get old fast. It's going to get real, <laughs> real fast, exactly. So sometimes, you know, and I'm, I've been to many gluten-free conferences and I've talked to, to many parents and many students, and it's interesting how sometimes all it takes is just that one student to kind of, kind of break the barrier with that college and university, to kind of work with the chefs and the management and make them understand a little bit more of how easy it is uh, to prepare gluten-free options and give some variety to your students. So 
So I think that you know when you go there, you have to ask those questions and you have to really see for yourself. You know, many times what we'll do is I'll, I'll treat them to a meal in the dining hall and say, sure, go ahead and eat. And, you know, and, you know, this way they can see what the variety is, just because you know you want them to understand what we're all about. That's so great. So. I mean, hopefully at the University of Connecticut, there wouldn't be a mistake made. But in the instance that there is a mistake at your your school or at others, what do you recommend that students do? I always say, here's what I tell the students. I say, if, if you feel like you got sick off something that you ate in one of our dining facilities, please contact me immediately or the manager. Because what we want to do is we want to we want to work backwards. We want to figure out was it something that we prepared? Was it something that was out in front of the house next to something? And maybe there was cross contact, cross contamination. You know, sometimes some of the big ones that we've seen is ice cream. So right. we have ice cream coolers in our dining halls. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the students will go and use the same ice cream scoop that was used for cookies yeah. and cream, and they'll scoop their chocolate or vanilla. Even though we say to them, come to us and we'll scoop you, you know, for the you know, clean scoop right out of a brand new tub in the back. Sometimes the students are like, well, we didn't want to bother you. And I'm like, are you <laughs> kidding? You know, that's what we're here for. You know? yeah. um, other times it would be like oats or granola. Like we have a regular granola dispenser. And then in the gluten-free galley area, we have a gluten-free granola dispenser. And so you might find out that they took the wrong granola. Right. Um, not thinking that it was going to affect them any. Um, we've had situations where, like I said, a catered event on campus, and they call and say, I got sick last night, I was at this particular event, and I say, okay, that wasn't us, that's not our catering, that was an outside caterer, you know, and they didn't know that, they thought it was us, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do is we try to work with those students to work through um, the mistake. You know, there has been those situations, I remember, um, I have some of my gluten-free um, students who almost are like secret shoppers. Um, <laughs> so what I do is they have my email, and they go into facilities, and I say to them, if you see something or question something, email me, because all that's going to do is make us better. But, you know, we're a large place, a lot of chefs, a lot of dining facilities. I need a lot of eyes. I can't be everywhere at once. And so what's great is – They've been great at giving feedback to where we position food on the lines, um, asking questions about, you know, using different pans and different spoons, things like that. They give, they've given us some great advice over the years, and, um, you know, and it's really been a valuable resource to us as to using those students to our advantage. That's so great. Yeah. So so one of the things that we have been thinking about a lot is working with our teenage um, patients on transition of medical care, um, you know, finding new doctors in whatever area they're going to be going to college in. Do you guys have lists of, you know, good doctors in the area that are knowledgeable of celiac that you share with students, or how do you help them find the appropriate care? So what we do is we specifically, like chefs and food service managers, do not, but we do connect them to, like I said, our dietitian who works with health services. Mm -hmm. And health services is in our infirmary that works. We actually have doctors right here on campus. Um, and what they can do is they can assist those students with 
finding doctors in this area. Another thing okay. that they'll do, which is fantastic, is if you want to, let's say we have a student who uh, newly diagnosed, or let's take a step further, let's say they have to do an elimination diet because they're not sure what's wrong with them yet. Mm -hmm. What we'll do there is we will set up the communication, or they will set up the communication between the doctor and dietitian at health services and their doctor at home, wherever mm -hmm. that might be, California. Um, and what we'll do is we will work with that student to do a food journal, and we will basically um, the instructions are given through the, through their doctor to our dietitian to us, and we kind of assist in um, making sure that they we add the foods when when you know the doctor asks us to add certain foods back in or things like that. So you get the communication kind of going that way, um, which actually works out really well for students. So. Yeah, I would. I definitely think that's amazing. Um, I wish. I wish this had been in place when I was in college. <laughs> um, so one other situation in a lot of urban settings, um, we find that we hear from students that the the dining halls aren't necessarily food stations like you've been describing, but more vendor mm -hmm. stations where different uh, companies or restaurants or chains can lease the space and offer food under their name within the, the campus center. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, does the University of Connecticut have any situations like that in any of the dining areas? No, we don't have another dining. We do have a food court on campus. Okay. And inside our food court, there is a, let's say, a subway right. um, that, again, though it's not run by us. So um, they would not have the same gluten-free options that you do? No, exactly. Um, like if you go, you know, if you go to one of our uh, deli stations, all our deli meats are gluten free. Um, we even have separate bins that a student, because you know, if we have a deli bar, we can't be taking and building a sandwich with deli meats and touching bread and then give it to a gluten free student. So we have separate bins in the back. So we'll just give the students turkey, Swiss, whatever they want. You know right. what I mean? And then they can go over to their gluten-free galley and build the sandwich. Um, we do have grab-and-goes, which are we, – we build the sandwiches. But same thing, we have like a little separate station where we will build – they'll change their gloves, you know, wash, they'll wash their hands, change their gloves, put down a piece of wax paper, and then they'll build that gluten-free grinder in a different area. But a lot of those chains, yeah, those can get a little tricky. Um, you know, we've seen that a lot where we have like uh, an Asian concept on campus, the Chinese food. And again, you know, they really didn't offer uh, a good variety of gluten-free um, out of that station. So, you know, what we would do is in our food court area where we have um, what's called the Union Street Market, where we have a burrito concept we have a Boston Market concept. These are all self-branded, though. Right. So in other words, um, our burrito concept is called Tostada, mm -hmm. but it's similar to that of a Moe's. Right. Um, we have you know, a, a pizza concept called Pompeii, where we actually do gluten-free pizzas over there. Um, we have a pasta concept where we will offer gluten-free pastas. And, for example, the pasta that we get comes in sealed packages so that all we have to do is microwave it, it's penne, for about a minute and a half, and then we will put the sauce on in the back because we can't use the same sauce in front for obvious reasons. So what we've done is we've tried to look at what our offerings are at all these almost like self-branded type concepts mm -hmm. and figured out how we could incorporate a gluten-free option into those stations. 
That's so nice. Uh, where I went to school, they were all these different concept stations, but they were owned by a larger chain. And so there was yep. there was literally nothing. Um, we had there was a pasta station that definitely did not have gluten free pasta. There was a crepe station which was so cool, but obviously not a gluten free option. The Asian yep. station they had it was white rice. That was all my that was my option. Oh, geez, and awesome. a sandwich. There yeah. was a Jamba Juice, so I, I had a lot of Jamba Juice. Um, but then I was able to eventually get out of my meal plan, um, and I had a kitchen in, oh, in my okay. apartment. Yep. So. That was. Uh, they were able to cook for yourself. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was quite shocking to to be diagnosed in college and the place where I had gone for the last three years to eat every day there was all of a sudden nothing to eat. Yeah, and and it's, it's so hard because you know these students are under so much stress. I mean, academically, they're literally involved with so much when it comes to not only, you know, projects and clubs and, you know, all these different activities. And the last thing they should have to worry about is nutrition. I mean, if you're not and eating what right. What they're going to eat, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's such a stressor, you know. And so, you know, what we try to do, is, and again, we get to know our students on a first-name basis, not only for wheat and gluten, but, you know, like I said, peanuts, tree nuts. You know, we have students with, um, you know, soy, dairy, fish, shellfish, eggs, and then you get into you know, tomatoes, legumes, onions, mustard seed, corn, the list just goes on and on. So all these students are so different, but what we try to do is we try to, again, make them comfortable with, you know, um, we want to be very approachable. Um, we always say to them, think of our dining halls and our kitchens as your refrigerator. Think of it as you're at home now. So we allow, you walk, we tell them, you can walk right through the kitchen, walk right to the manager's office, they get to know the chefs on a first-name basis, and, and that's the key right there. And I think that's, that's – like we talked about this earlier. What's really hard for some of these parents is that their entire life, they've cooked the food for their son or daughters. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that they also kind of educate their sons and daughters as they grow up before they go to college. Because as soon as mom and dad drops them off and drives away, they're on their own. And we're there, and we're trying our best, but they've got to be able to speak up. They they can't be shy, you know, and and what we find is, you know, those students that um, aren't shy, that are comfortable with, you know, coming in and chatting with us, who, you know – you know, again, who who aren't afraid to say, you know, I had that dish the other night, I didn't like it. Can I try this instead? You know, this is great. I mean, this is what we want, and and we'll do everything we can on our end to make them um, have a positive experience. That's absolutely amazing, and thank you for doing that for for all of your students. Um, I hope that a lot You're of welcome. other colleges will follow your lead on this. So is there any other advice that you have to offer students as they're beginning their college search? No. Make sure, you know, remember, we have the women's basketball team. I just want to point that <laughs> out, you know, so that everyone's aware of that. It has nothing to do with the coaching. It's all about the food. Right? So I always tell people that. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, I think what we're going to see in the future is you are going to see – more and more college and universities jumping on board, offering more and more um, gluten-free options. I mean, right now, our, if you look at the top two, it's peanuts, tree nuts is right up there, and then you got wheat and gluten 
right beside it. Um, if you look years ago, it would have been peanuts, tree nuts was number one, and gluten-free was way back at about, you know, nine or ten. Um, so I think what we're seeing is uh, I see more and more students diagnosed every year, um, and I see more and more food manufacturers really making smart decisions and creating gluten-free ingredients. And when they create gluten-free ingredients, that means that we're able to create uh, more gluten-free options for our students, which makes our life so much easier and makes the students' life so much easier. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, that was awesome. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today, Rob. Um, this is such excellent information that I know is really going to help students and parents as they are going through the college search process. And again, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And we will talk to you again next time.